the Fox show, um, you're listening, you're tuning in in your car somewhere, you're watching, you're wondering who are these guys, you know, I stumbled on, Christopher Walken's on the show, I'm not sure, is he? Maybe. <laughs> This week on the What the Fog Show. Hi, this is Alison Wright, and you're listening to What the Fog Show. What the fuck? Is this Alison Wright? <laughs> yes, it is. Alison Wright, how the fuck are you? I'm so excited to have you on the show. Um, how you doing? Oh, thanks. I'm doing pretty great. Yeah, I'm good, thanks. So, holy fuck. I mean, we have The Accountant, we have Sneaky Pete, we have Feud, and then we have The Americans. I mean, all I can say is congratulations. I mean, you've been killing it. You've been absolutely killing it. What, is, what does that feel like, being a working Thank actor? Thank you. I know it's nice when it seems like everything uh, comes out all at once, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's been a great couple of years. There's so many years of working hard, and now you're a working actor consistently. I mean, that must be a lot of pressure off your back, am I right? Well, it's a miracle, yeah. first of all, but, you know, that's how it is now. It doesn't mean, you know, it's the nature of the beast. It doesn't mean that that's how it's going to be in a couple of years. You that- know, I pray to God it, it is, but... It's a it's a cyclical thing, and you know your job is always going to end. You're always going to be unemployed and always hustling for the next job. So it's a, it's a constant state, I think. Absolutely. So you're always looking of agony the, of agony. Yeah, you're always looking in the future. You're always understanding how appreciative and how lucky you are to be in the moment. So in the moment we find yourself, which currently is success, and you absolutely deserve it. And we're going to talk about all the all the ways you got there and all the things you're working on. But from the journey to the UK to being now in New York. With all the success, and now talking to you know Falk and me on the What the Falk show, and again, thanks for Falk and coming on. What is one word you might use for this journey, if you can think of one? A word for the journey? Yeah. Um, well, for my career, I thought you were going to say I w- I might choose the word elusive. Really, hmm. it's uh, it's been a long time, like you said. It's been a lot. It's been a long time until I could uh, until I've had this level of uh, great projects to work on so very visibly. Yeah. You know, it's it's been a long time in the making. No joke. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, the journey has been, you know, I mean, right now I'm at the top of the mountain, so it's fucking excellent. Yeah. <laughs> Falcon, excellent. Falk, yeah, you really like the use of my last name as a word, so I'm glad we can all I ag- do. We can all agree on that. And one thing, Allison, I know you're from the UK, and we'll get into that in a second, but are you a fan of pizza? Because I fucking love pizza. I fucking love pizza. You fucking love pizza as well. If you ever find yourself in Central California, where my hometown is, please check out Ferris Pizza, also a sponsor of the What the Falk Show. Ferris Pizza, the best pizza for the best price, with the most love in it. And I can tell you that after my own trying and tribulations of having the pizza, it really is that fucking good. So please, if you ever find yourself in SeaCal, please check out Ferris Pizza. I will remember this. Okay. And I will come back at you for this will, information. Yeah. I'll remember this. I'm in ba- I'm in Central California. I have to get Ferris Pizza. Where is it? Anyways. Exactly. Okay, so starting in the UK, did your family did you have a proximity to the arts through your family or friends or how did how did your interest start? I did not. There was not an artistic person around me. Okay. As far as the I could see, there wasn't. But <laughs> my mom loved musicals and she loved movie musicals and the ballet. And um we would always watch those sorts of things you know when I was a little girl there was it was Annie and Oliver and the sound of music and Chitty Chitty Bang Bang I don't know what sort of you know years they came out but to me it seems like there was a good chunk of my childhood where there was a lot of these amazing uh, films coming out so I think that was a huge influence on me and I think really you know I think that I've just wanted to be uh, Carol Burnett Mm. as Miss Hannigan in Annie ever since. I think that's my ultimate end game, probably. Okay. She was my biggest influence as, as 
of the performance that she gave and how amazing it still is today. You know, people like her were a very big influence on me. But my mom put me in a dancing school when I was uh, maybe three. Okay. And I started tap dancing, and that's where it all that's where it all began. And did that kind of help? Because actually, my father put me in tap dance when I was a kid, and he said he did it so I wouldn't be afraid of crowds, so I'd, I wouldn't be as scared being on a stage, whatever I was going to be there for. He wanted to help me out. Did that help you in that process, doing tap dance so young? You kind of got over the whole stage fright of being an entertainer? Maybe, maybe, yeah. Yeah, yeah I guess so. Okay. Well, being in the UK, you're dancing. You understand that you want to be a performer. Carol Burnett, as a hero, who was one of the best to ever do it. Unfortunately, a lot of the young kids these days don't know who she is. But in terms of being an entertainer, I don't really think of anybody who did it any better. So how did you get to decide to go from the UK to land up in, in New York City and with the Lee Strasberg Institute? Well, I was studying musical theater in okay. England at the time. And we had we were focusing on learning about Stanislavski. Oh, okay. And that led me to learn about Lee Strasberg and the method and how he interpreted Stanislavski's work okay. with the Moscow Arts Theatre. And then I found out that there was a place that taught the method. There was a Lee Strasberg school in New York and in L.A. Oh. And so I made it my mission to try and go there and study. Can I ask why... And I managed to... Why New York over L.A.? If there's two schools, why do you think to go East Coast or West Coast? Well, it's that much closer. Yeah, you know? closer to New you. York seems... Yeah, it's it's that much closer and, you know, L.A. feels like Hollywood and Barbie dolls and was never, never really uh, on the cards, yeah. Okay, well, I've actually heard that from other performers. I, you being a successful performer, would you agree? I've heard a lot of people say that L.A. is more for, I guess, looks are concentrated, which obviously makes no sense, whereas New York is actually about the content, about the acting. So people go to New York and they think, oh, I'm attractive, so I must be a good actor. Whereas in New York, people are there to study. They're there to learn to be a better yeah. performer. Would you say that's part of why New York was so much better for you, for anybody trying to be successful? Yes, and I think it's true. And people do think that, what you just said. And yeah. people people think that that's the case. And people believe that that's the case, too. Yeah. Well, you can see that there's a lot of arguments for the reasons why, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And anyone falcon out there listening to What the Falk Show, part of the goal is informational conversation. So even though you're an amazing actress and you have amazing credits, my, my hope is that someone listening throughout the show, whether they want to be an act, actor or they don't, they'll learn something from your journey. So for example, Lee Strasberg, what is the technique of why you chose that and why you, you think that is kind of one of the better things for an actor to kind of grow in terms of the well, techniques and, and everything? I, I don't know that I think it's better. I, um, but for me, um, I like the idea of what I thought the method was. Okay. I like the idea of from from what I could decipher on my own without any teachers, you know, to guide me. Or mm -hmm. It seemed like it was a very personal approach, a lot of using yourself. And I knew that I had a very deep well Okay. To draw from, and that I thought that I would do well at that uh, with that sort of technique. So, drawing from yourself is that? Would you say there's a piece of you in all these characters you're playing? Is that part of? Because well, I mean, you're just really good, and, and part of why we connected is because I had watched the Americans. We'll get on that later, but I had watched the Americans, and I was like, oh my god, all I can do is watch your character. The whole the whole last season, especially fourth season, I was all I was thinking about was you. I was telling my girlfriend, I was like woman this this girl this this woman in this in this tv show is stealing the show she's all i could think about and obviously you know martha plays the audience in, in many ways the, what it's not what it's like to not be an espionage or be a spy so we're all experiencing it through you is, is being yourself or kind of taking from your own experience is part of why those characters have been just so dynamic it, ha it has to be right um well 
Well, I think it's definitely about what sort of filter you see the world through. Okay. And what that filter is, is built up on all of the things that have happened to you over your life. That's mm-hmm. where you get your skew on the world and how you view it. So I think that's definitely what can make things interesting It's and make different make different actors just give very different performances, even if they're playing a well-known character, you know, like one of the greats or something. It's always going to be a little different because yeah. of the perspective that that person sees their life through because of the experiences that they've had and how they've handled them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Well, your experiences. So it's like if somebody hasn't been through anything, if someone's never, you know, known sadness or pain, or it's it can be difficult for them to pull that off and portray it. Yeah. You know, if you haven't had any life experience. Yeah, like if you're, if you're doing a scene where you're breaking up with the love of your life or you lose someone you love and you never had that happen, you wouldn't really know where to go because you've never experienced that. So it would be really hard, yeah. no matter how trained you are, to really be able to convey the emotions and convictions that people are used to. Now, speaking of emotions, another great guest I had on the show was Phil Burke. Star, one of the stars of AMC's Hell on Wheels. You guys know each other. I think that's part of why maybe you were more willing to do the show because you known that I had guests that you knew. I asked Phil Burke on Facebook if he could tell me any stories that might embarrass you a little bit in a fun way. He said, unfortunately, he can't say anything that wouldn't both incriminate you guys and that you can't put publicly on a podcast. So did you meet Phil when you were in New York? How did that friendship start? I am so glad he didn't tell you a story. Let me tell it because he has a fodder of information that would really embarrass me. So... I can't believe you did the right thing and didn't just tell you an awful story. That's amazing. So, <laughs> um, no, we worked together. Good thing for your listeners. Uh, we worked together in a restaurant in Health Kitchen in New York oh, for a wow. few years. Uh, maybe like about uh, maybe about six years ago, okay. something like that. Wow, what a great restaurant. So what is it that you guys are serving there that's helping these, you know, whatever, either you're a bartender or a waiter become so successful? Was it just, did you guys just help each other out through the process? You're both auditioning, trying to grow your careers. Is that kind of what led to getting closer? Definitely, but so is everyone that's coming into the bar, you know? I mean, yeah. we're right we're right on Ninth Avenue. We're right uh, in Hell's Kitchen, essentially Times Square. So, you know, all of the actors are around that neighborhood all of the time. So it's very, it's a constant thing of you're surrounded by everyone doing the same thing as you and everyone hustling and trying to make it and still, you know, working 40 hours a week at a restaurant. Yeah. Now trying to make pay it. Pay all of their bills. Yeah, trying to pay those bills when they can. Now, trying to make it, we talk about kind of your first few gigs in New York. You had some theater gigs, I know. Did you have any commercial gigs? What were some of the first things that you started getting your paychecks you were actually able to pay your some bills, some rent, in terms of your performing gigs? Um, No commercials, no. Okay. I've always worked uh, hard, never very smart. Oh. Not a single commercial. Interesting. Um, okay. I was doing all theater, yeah. Um. So, you know, you're getting 20 bucks in a Metro card. Yeah. It takes a long time to make money in theater. Even now, off-Broadway, you know, a lot of the theaters, their weekly salary is the same as unemployment. Oh, okay. It's just you enough... know, it's not, it's not a living wage. Yeah. So I was never really making any money in the theater, but I had fantastic experiences. You know, I remember doing... Um, an adult sort of version of Bye Bye Birdie, which is one of my favorite musicals, wow. at a black box theater on St. Mark's Play. Yeah. And it was wild and amazing. And all of these uh, young kids that were Broadway bound, imminently, I'm sure, just amazing voices, amazing dancing, great uh, people putting the whole thing together. And it was fantastic. I mean, mm. you're not going to make any money doing that sort of thing, but it was the best. 
Yeah, well, to hear... I had a lot of experiences like that. To hear the excitement in your voice, it sounds like it was absolutely worth it. Whether you were paid little or nothing, it sounds like it was further your education in terms of Alison Wright becoming the great actress she is. Now, when you started, your first film was The Nanny Diaries. You have some, you know, obviously you have Black Widow and Captain America in that. Was that, what was it like that first day before? I know you had weeks of work on that. You probably had a trailer. So what was that change? How nervous were you the night before? Was I mean, that had to be big. I think I actually had a horse trailer on that film. It definitely wouldn't have been a nice trailer. Okay. Um, (laughs) (laughs) That was wild because I booked that without having an agent. Whoa. I didn't have any representation whatsoever. I booked that. Ellie Casting? Good old-fashioned way from backstage. There was just a, a... Casting, asking for headshot submissions. Backstage.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I submitted and I heard from the casting office. It was Anne Golder. And they called me in to read for a part. It was actually a small role, really. Mm -hmm. Um, And then they asked me to stay and read for this bigger role. And uh, and then I had an audition with uh, Shari Springer-Berman and Rob Polsini, who are the directors. And then uh, I had one more audition after that and then booked the gig. And it ended up being a few weeks' work and, you know, done without an agent. Yeah. You know, it's unheard of, really. Yeah. And then you didn't have 20% you had to cut off at the end with that paycheck, which was nice. (laughs) Right, yeah. Yeah, which is nice. (laughs) Which is nice. So speaking of nice, I mean, I... I waited for years to watch The Americans because I, as I'm a huge TV nerd, film nerd, all of it. My whole life just watched everything. I'm that kid who my dad would tell me, "Oh, this movie exists," and I would go to the library. I'd be renting like six movies and I watch them on the weekend. Just so, just for context, the kind of cinephile dork you're talking to. Um, I, well, I, I wasn't. I didn't think I would like The Americans because I didn't know who I'd relate with because it was two spies, two Russian spies against America. And I'm thinking, well, what am I gonna? You would think, oh, maybe they're bad guys. Like, why would I root for the bad guys? And then, by happenstance and circumstance, I end up putting the first season in, and I'm hooked. And I'm, it's the great part about the show is that, like in life, everyone is in the gray area. Everyone can be bad sometimes. Everyone can be good sometimes. So there's not really a villain or a hero, which makes it very relatable as I get older. So I'm into the first season. I go second, third, fourth, and your character as Martha she continues to grow and the depth and where she goes. I mean, what was it like seeing the change from that first day of reading your sides from Martha to say, let's just say the end of season four, what has been the biggest difference in terms of your journey playing that character? Well, ultimately I'm just glad that I didn't know what it was going to be from the get go. Okay. The outset. Yeah. Um, it would have been pretty overwhelming, I think. Yeah. And <laughs> the, the American pilot of course, I didn't know it was ever going to be anything more than the pilot, of course. Uh-huh. Uh, that was my very first day on a TV set. Yeah. I had never done a Law & Order or anything like that, which apparently means I'm not a legitimate actor. <laughs> well, your buddy Phil, that was one of his first jobs. He said everybody goes through Law & Order. <laughs> everybody, yeah. It's like the rite of passage here in New York. And I didn't. And there's like 25 of them now, right? And I didn't do a single one. <laughs> so it, it was my first day on a on a set. So it's been a unbelievable that my first TV job has taken me this far and the role has grown exponentially and has been so exciting and clearly wonderfully written and the product that we've ended up has been great because it's affected so many people and so many people have a place in their heart for her and have genuine sympathy and empathy for her even though she's done all of the things that she's done you know so it's a testament to the storytelling so I, I mean i couldn't be any fog and lucky, could I? No, not. It's, I mean, 
No, I mean, you exactly. You said but going in, who would have known how far they would have taken Martha and the different situations she would be in and how as an audience at one time we would, we would just be angry with her. Like, how are you doing this? You're being a traitor. But then the majority of it is Martha, fuck. Like, we get what you're going through. Like, this sucks. Like, you're you're in the middle of this, of this excuse me, but this shit storm and it makes us all think about how we would feel because we don't know what it's like to be an espionage or spying or any, any deal with this international relation. So it's such a whirlwind ride that it's so fun to go on. And speaking of fun and rides, I mean, where were you at? Do you remember where you were when you got the call that said, hey, you're not just going to be a, a, a guest star. You're going to be a series regular on the Americans for FX. Where were you when you got that call? Were you when on I set? When I got that actually? call, I was, I was right in the middle of firing my agent. Really? Whoa. Okay. That, that became very complicated. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, literally. It was literally right in the middle of it. Um, it all, all, everything cosmically happened on the same day, but they sued me shortly afterwards. Oh. So the whole experience was complicated and bittersweet. Yeah. You know, I probably shouldn't talk about it. Um, well, but it's, but, you know, yeah. you don't have to go into detail, but it is something that performers and people in the business have to deal with. Sometimes people, you yeah. know, get, get angry about something and they go ahead and sue. So it is something that's there. So anyone out there is Falcon listening. You do big enough projects. You're in a, around enough money. Eventually lawyers get involved. It's a sad thing, but it's true. And, and speaking of just being involved, I mean, the, the kind of cast you have on this show from Matthew Reese Davies to Carrie Russell to uh, Margot Martindale to Noah Emmerich. I mean, do you just, are they as good of people as they are performers? Oh, they're all fantastic. The Americans gang couldn't be any better. Okay. We've managed to really like fly under the radar for quite a while. The yeah. show didn't get that much heat for a while, um, which is a nice place to be as an actor. Mm-hmm. So you can just get on with the job. You can just not worry about all that other stuff yeah. and just get on with the task at hand. But they're an excellent bunch of people. But for, fortunately uh, or unfortunately, yeah. depending on how you look at it, after this last season, the Americans and the, the uh, other projects you've been a part of, which we'll talk about right now, people are noticing you more on the street. Is that right? It, it probably has increased a little bit, yeah. right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So has that been yeah. a plus or minus, or is that just kind of part of the part of the gig? Uh, I think it's just part of the gig. Yeah. Um, it's an every it's an everyday thing now. Um, people in New York are cool about it though. Okay. No. They'll yeah. just come up and be like, I really love your work. I think the show is great. You're awesome. Boom. And then they're gone. They yeah. know how to do it. Yeah. You know, so it, it's really just nice. And like the surprising thing um, I've noticed about it is um, how much tenderness people have for me when they talk about her. Mm-hmm. I see their faces, you know, and then when they realize, oh, I'm Martha, and then they want to talk about it, they have such empathy for her. Yeah. Absolutely. And it really is a tenderness, and it's so lovely to see that they care about yeah. fictional character. Yeah, and I, I, I don't want to be creepy, but like, I feel like I want to like help Martha. I want to like send a plane and take her from where she is right now. We won't get too into plot details, but obviously her storyline is a little open right now with the end of season four, and I just feel like I want to buy her a coffee or buy her a Falcon pizza and say, hey, would you like some food? Bye. I want to buy her a fucking puppy. Yeah, a puppy. Like, let's hang out. It's all good. Now, <laughs> speaking of good, okay, I'm a big fan of Graham Yost. He's a producer on The Americans. Obviously, Joe Weisberg, the creator, but Graham Yost, he's a, he was a, one of the producers on Just which is another amazing FX show that I love, starring Timothy Oliphant, also starring Margot Martindale. And Margot yes, Martindale, of she's course, she's there. amazing. Her season two of Justified was one of the all-time best, and then she jumps on and does um, uh, season one of The Americans. So she really, and she was in Dexter, regardless, and she was in Days of Thunder. She's everywhere. Margot Martindale is, is fucking awesome. So she's connected with Graham Yost and FX, and then you star with her in Sneaky Pete. Now, I had actually finished Sneaky Pete. I was on a Prime membership, 
and I had finished the whole series. I really want to watch it. I knew there were great actors in it. And then I see you again. I see the character of Martha. And this is before I watched The Account. We'll get to that soon. But I had seen you again, and I'm like, oh my God, she is all over it. And then, oh, Graham Yost is involved. Okay, so there's a lot. There's some Americans touch here. There's some Justified touch here. Some other great collaborators. So was your relationship with Graham part of your auditioning for Sneaky Pete? Or how did that how did that come about? You know, Dawn Steinberg at Sony is to thank for me being on that show. Um, she was a big fan of the Americans and Martha and had me in for a meeting and we had a great time and she um, she pretty much fixed it for me to get on that show, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I hope that she okayed it with Graham first. I think he was all right with it. Okay. <laughs> but they were very kindly came to me with an offer to do a few episodes on it. You know, that show has been through quite a few changes and iterations, mm-hmm. um, going from being made originally for CBS, I think, before it ultimately being realized on Amazon. So oh. it's, it's I don't want to say work in progress. That makes it sound wrong. But it's been quite a flexible, changing thing. Yeah. Everyone's been very on their toes, so it was a cool experience. Well, that makes sense, because I remember when I watched the trailer, it was about a year and a half ago. It was a while ago, and I kept waiting for the yeah. Sneaky Pete, and then eventually hit it to Amazon. So it makes sense that it was very organic, a lot of different changing manipulation in terms of the storyline. But I could tell you, as a Falcon viewer, and I'm, I'm honest when I dislike something or like it, I was, I was a big fan of Sneaky Pete, and I was a big fan of your work in it, because your work as well, it's 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 much like the movie we're about to get to. It's You have a big reveal at the end. You have an idea of we think we know who you're character might be and then it turns out oh you're actually connected to the, the beginning pilot you're like one of the the masterminds be- behind this whole arc of the season so sneaky pete working what was it like working with brian cranston and giovanni rubisi i know giovanni was able to start really early in his career but cranston as an actor who like you said went through a long journey were you able to relate with him because he worked a long time before he also ever became let's we can say like a name in the business yeah, but, I mean, Brian Cranston can do it all. Yeah. He can do it all. He's amazing. He could have done my part better than I could, I'm sure. <laughs> He's fantastic. And he actually directed one of the episodes, too. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. So, I mean, it's it's exactly what you think it would be, working with those two. And, and I was a big fan of Giovanni's work, always. Yeah. Always had been. You know, so it, it was it was wonderful to be a part of it. You know, I didn't, I wasn't there that much. I didn't have that many days on it. Um, I don't know. I know it's been picked up for season two. Um, I don't know what's happening with that or what they're planning to do or okay. if my character will be back or expanded. Okay. Uh, but I would be certainly down with it. If, if that's what happened, it would be fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Well, I would absolutely hope that your character is expanding. I think there's a lot of room for that. And you can almost act like the, I'd say maybe the Danny Ocean of the Sneaky Pete if you think of Ocean's Eleven, oh, yes, please. you could kind of be the heist person that kind of plans everything. I think you'd fall can be great at that. And we talked about the reveal. You didn't, we didn't know exactly how you were connected to Sneaky Pete until kind of the end of the season, which was great. And speaking of reveals, the accountant. I had no idea what I was getting into. Actually, a friend of I, we wanted to watch. We tried to go to like a free screening, didn't get in, so I had to wait till I got to watch it like on Redbox or anything like that. It was really fucking good. And your character be it small, is huge. It's one of the coolest parts of the movie because you haven't... I had an idea when I heard a voice. I was like, huh, that kind of sounds like something. I wonder if that's... I don't know. And then you don't really think about it. And at the end of the movie, we find out how big a deal you are in terms of Ben Affleck's world and his work as the accountant. How early on in the script did you know kind of the reveal that you'd have? Did you know it was going to be a twist? What? What? How the fuck did that happen? Uh, well, it came to me in a different way. Um, it came to me, I was first approached to make a tape uh, because obviously the character I play, she's um, 
uh, an autistic young woman who doesn't speak. She's been mute for decades. Mm -hmm. So in terms of auditioning, you know, it was really just about making a tape with some behavior of Justine existing in her, you know, area and what that might be like. So that was that was the first thing I knew about the part. So that was always the way that I came at it. That really it was just about that and all the other stuff was extra. You know, it wasn't until I got to the set the first day. Um, I don't know if it was if it was just luck or if Gavin had planned it all along, but Ben just happened to be filming one of the scenes where he's in the truck yeah. um, speaking to the GPS-sounding voice. Uh-huh. And Gavin asked me to step in and read the lines while he was shooting because I was British. Oh, Okay. And that's when Ben Ben Affleck found out that I was British and was very disappointed that he hadn't been able to spot that himself because he was a big fan of the Americans and gave me a big, huge hug when I came onto set and made a fuss and made me feel very welcome. Um, So Gavin was like, well, you know, she's right here right now. Again, maybe that was his evil plan all along. (laughs) They had me read it and then it ended up that they kept my voice in the film with some, you know, alterations on it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Falk, yeah, and that was such a cool reveal at the end. It's such a good movie. I had no idea what I was getting into, but I really, Falk, and hope they make some accountant sequels, and I would love to see your version, because you're basically, you can almost be like the Lucius Fox in terms of the Batman world, or or the Money Penny uh, for his character in terms of like a James Bond world. And another connection, you have Gavin O'Connor, the director of The Accountant, a great director. I'm a big fan of him from Pride and Glory to the to Warrior to another movie I loved, a sports movie. I'm a, I'm a dorky American, I have to admit, was Miracle which also stars Noah Emmerich, who you star in The Americans with. So was there any connection you guys mm-hmm. talking about you being friends with Noah? Because Noah's been a lot of Gavin O'Connor's projects. He just didn't happen to be in The Accountant. So was that familiarity kind of, did that help on set? Um, yeah, Noah and Gavin are great friends. But uh, knowing Gavin, of course, from The Americans, it makes everything easier if you've already had some sort of working relationship with someone, assuming it was pleasant. Yeah. You know, but I was a, a big fan of his. I mean, the pilot from The Americans, I... I don't know if I still think that's the best episode. Like, I may still think it is such a killer pilot. Yes. The music, it's so fast-paced, and it stuns me. I think the pilot is excellent that he made, and I'm a big fan of his films, too. Yeah. Warrior, especially, and Tumbleweed. So it was, he's a great guy. I love him. I would work for him again any day of the week. He's uh, he's a really cool guy and, and a nice a nice presence. You know, he's this big, this big uh, American guy from this, family of cops in Long Island it's very comforting to me you know being in New York as long as I have been yeah this character that he is himself is, is very cool and just from the outset from people out there obviously Batfleck or Ben Affleck he really is a good guy I had my, my roommate my best friend he was working as a PA on one of the um, Project Greenlight shows and he got to drive him for like 10 minutes and he said he was nice to me actually talked to him so that was nice so from the outset from people yeah, listening out there Ben Affleck's a good guy oh yeah totally okay well that's good to know so we can support Batman and all that he's doing and next up your, your project that's coming out and I just finished American Crime Story on FX so I'm all into the Ryan Murphy I was a big fan of Nip Tuck back in the day and American Horror Story of course and you are one of the leads in the upcoming series Feud another anthology series by Ryan Mur- Murphy star- starring Susan Saran and Jessica Lange what what can we expect from that what was it like being on set with two women who I would have to assume that you training growing up were probably two women that you looked up to in terms of as a performer am I right to assume that? Absolutely yeah. absolutely it's, it's the whole experience has been immense you know not only are they you know legends themselves in their own right they're playing these two women betty davis and joan crawford that were the titans of the time that Mm. really still are and are unbelievably huge powerful talented women 
Yeah. So it's been a, a really elevated experience. You know, the subject matter itself is elevated because it's all Hollywood. It's, it was the end of, you know, those times of the studio systems and the stars as they were then. You know, we don't have anything like them today anymore. Um, Ryan surrounds himself with incredible artists. The caliber is so high when you're talking about the costumes, the wigs, the set design, the decoration, the props makeup, all of that is just of an unbelievable level. And it's set in such a great time, because we said it in 1962, 1963, yeah. that they get to be really, it's, I mean, it's going to be like a Technicolor extravaganza. Yeah. It's going to be something else. Well, you've had a lot of makeup and hair, because you've done a lot of period pieces. So from feud being in the 62s, from the 80s, and your big Martha hair, and then from your, your total, I'd say, like change and hair the way you had in confirmation the HBO miniseries about Clarence Thomas. Are you kind of used to being in that makeup chair for a while now and kind of getting all that craziness done? Yeah, I am. I mean, really, what you want to have is the least amount of time that you can have in the chair. Yeah, just because it adds that much time to your day. But this is—I mean, feud has been a dream. Like, if I could have the wigs. I mean, there's like 40 wigs or something sitting in the trailer at oh, any wow. given time, and the, they were. So so uh, extravagant, you know, the styles that these women would wear. They're just gorgeous. And, like, I was begging to get a wig on in this job. And this job, I didn't get to wear one, unfortunately. Like, I would have died to have Chris Clark make a wig for me. Yeah. But I didn't get one in this one, you see? So you <laughs> never know what you're going to get. You never fall no. Now, was that shot in L.A.? Because mm-hmm. I know you've been in Atlanta yes. for confirmation. So you actually got to be in L.A. What was that like, being on the West Coast? Um, we were shooting it at Fox Studios, which is my first time shooting on a lot. Oh, Century it, City, nice, it yeah. It really adds to the, yeah, it adds my first time living in LA, you know, I was there, there for quite a while. It was a very immersive experience, working on the lot, working with Ryan himself, working with Jessica and Susan, these amazing actresses that I admire and revere and I'm slightly terrified of. <laughs> you know, watching all of Joan Crawford's and Betty Davis' films at night, reading everything about them that I could in the day and then kind of living their reality of going to the studio every day, you know, of being in LA, it was, it's been a really cool experience. Oh yeah, you're pretty much doing the same thing, you're just doing it, what, 50 years later, so you're, yeah. you're still part of the same story while you're telling it. And I have to ask one thing, so if it's okay if I still have you on, I know you're, I know you're really falcon busy, I just want to ask one thing, because I was listening to an interview that you later had, and it, the guy asked, what role would you really like to play and you said a villain you'd like to be a villain kind of the scary woman who's the, the bad one now I, mm. I haven't seen feud yet but i would think susan and jessica kind of play villainous characters at least against each other so what are maybe some of your favorite villain roles that you've seen throughout the years whether it's male or female what are some of your favorite of all time maybe just a few like oh my god two or three. Ming, ming the merciless from flash gordon Ooh, pretty no. great one nice Jade, yeah Jade Jade fox from crouching tiger hidden dragon Ooh. miss hannigan from annie yeah yeah, there you go. He talks about her. She's an excellent villain. Yeah, there are so many great ones. And you're a big fan of TV, which is awesome because you're also just a TV nerd as well. I know you love Blackish. You're a big fan of that show. Mm-hmm. I say you must be really excited about her winning the Golden Globe, then, I assume. Oh, yes. I love Tracy Ellis Ross. I think she's the bee's knees. I think she's fantastic at everything she does and gorgeous and beautiful and a wonderful role model. I yeah. think she's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, and then Penny Dreadful, which which I found on Netflix, mm-hmm. and at first I tried to watch it when it was on Showtime, and it was a little dark for me. But then I, I watched it again in Netflix, and once you get through those first few episodes, and it really starts to build, and you kind of see the complexities and the depth of these characters. Penny Dreadful is a show that I recommend to everyone out there. Like it's very adult, sure, but man, isn't that a Falcon great show? Like, did you ever get chills as I did during watching Penny Falcon Dreadful? Oh yeah, but I mean, I love that stuff. That's that's 
the state that I live in, that sort of thing. Yeah. I love it. Uh, you know, Evergreen, Evergreen was ridiculous in it. She and is. I don't think she got any kind of, I don't know if she got any nominations or accolades, like for that role, she surely should have, you know, she's marvellous. Yeah. Bending backwards, like in a bridge and speaking another bloody language, for God's sake. Yeah, literally you know? bending backwards. <laughs> like While being possessed by devils, con- which is, you know, she's amazing. And contorting her body. I mean, she absolutely deserves something on that. She was also very good in the 300 sequel. I don't know if you ever saw that. It was very underrated, but ended up being kind of an entertaining movie. She was great in that. And then we talked, and I also, you love Bloodline, which I'm a huge fan of on Netflix. Mm. Well, what do you yeah, think going yeah, into season three? Have you seen season two yet? I have, yes, I have. Oh, my God. I, you know, I mean, I'm done just devastated that they killed Danny. I know. Um, yeah, yeah. I know. It's tough. I'm a big fan of Kyle Chandler because I watch Friday Night Lights, so I'll pretty much give him a chance to watch anything that he does. He's also an actor who's worked yep. in a long journey to get where he is, so I'm a big fan of Bloodline. I love it, and I absolutely love getting the chance to have you on the Falcon Show. Allison Wright, thank you so much. I want to talk one more last thing. That's just some rapid-fire questions. So yep. please say the first thing that comes to your mind. Are you Falcon ready? Okay. What's your favorite American curse word? Douchebag. Douchebag. Nice. What's your favorite comfort food? Mm, pizza. Pizza. From that place in California? Yeah, from Ferris Pizza. The best pizza <laughs> for the best go. price with the most love in it. Fuck yeah. And uh, here's a random question. Would you rather have a pet ninja monkey or a dragon? Both of those things. Both, both, both. But if I had to choose, probably the monkey, yeah. Yeah, because the dragon would be hard to like house, right? You'd have to get like a whole hanger and everything. Where would you put it? What would you feed it? So, oh, yeah, it'd be amazing, though. It'd be amazing. It'd be amazing. And then you could just use it to like heat up your food if you want. Regardless, it'd be fucking awesome. Uh, speaking of dragons, are you a Game of Thrones fan? I never heard. Do you watch that show as well? I don't watch it. No, I don't watch it. Okay. Well, if you ever, I think it's pretty good. But if you ever had a chance and you, and you get into that. Um, but speaking of pretty good, I mean, we have Active Adults, another series or a, a film upcoming for you. And you said that you were in on working on Broadway right now. So what else can we look forward to coming up for Allison Ray? Yeah, I'm starting rehearsals next week for Pulitzer Prize winner Lynn Milch's new play. It's called Sweat. Wow. And it's going to run at Studio 54 from Ooh. March through September. Okay. And it's a story all about, set in Pennsylvania, all about hardworking blue-collar Americans. It, it centers on a bar with plenty of drinking and old friends and... They're the people that are really the backbone of their communities, mm-hmm. and it's about the the deindustrialization okay. of the city and the new poor America's new poor when all the factories close. Yeah, and you know what they have to deal with. So that's what what the story is. It's very timely, and it's a lot of fun. And it's already run off Broadway and was a great success. So I think people should come and see this. It's going to be a, a good one. Okay, yeah. And, and uh, Allison, I would say one last question. Uh, would I be right to assume that maybe this was a top 15 experience for you in terms of being on a podcast? <laughs> top 10. Move yourself up into the top 10. Top best. 10. I'm in the top 10 now. Fuck yeah, moving on up. Allison, I, I really appreciate it. This is really cool. I have to thank you. I have to thank Twitter. I'm so glad we got connected. I thank you for taking time in New York City. You have a very happy and appreciative not only fan, but host right now. So I, re- I really fucking appreciate you taking the time. I hope you, I'm looking forward to every project you have. If you ever want me to buy you a piece of pizza, you're back in LA, let me know. I'll send it to you. Uh, just have a wonderful weekend and um, you have a you have a friend. You have an audio friend in terms uh-huh. of meeting on a podcast. So uh, thanks, thanks a bunch. Thank you so much. Okay. Thank you. It's been a pleasure and your questions were great and uh, your show is funny and it's been my pleasure. So thank you. Fuck yeah, I appreciate it. Have a wonderful, have a wonderful day and hopefully okay. I'll, I'll see you some other time. Okay. 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 Thanks, Bye. Connor. Bye. Take it easy. You Bye. Too. So, folk, yeah, that was Allison Wright. That was Martha from The Americans. That was the actress from Sneaky Pete. That was the actress from The Accountant. That was the 
Upcoming one of the leads in the show Feud, another Ryan Murphy-produced show with Susan Saran and Jessica Lange on FX. The upcoming lead on Active Adults, a film upcoming, one of the upcoming stars of Sweat, Broadway show at 54, uh, Studio 54. That was awesome. I mean, this is just an example of how lucky I am to get to do this show and talk to these cool people. I'm such a big fan of hers, and then I talk about it on Twitter, and now I'm talking to her on the Falcon Show, and you're Falcon listening to the journey she's had and what she's working on. So if you haven't seen The Americans, Falcon, watch it. If you haven't seen The Accountant, it's Falcon good. Check it out. If you haven't seen Sneaky Pete, get a Prime membership for a month and, and check it out. And uh, if you've never seen American Horror Story, American Crime Story, you absolutely should. And then you're going to love the upcoming feud for FX. Thanks for fucking listening. Whether it's through SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, Pod, Directory, my parents' phone, or the text message I just sent you. Don't forget I'm on social media. I'm all over. At my WTF show. At my what the fuck show. At my WTF show on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Stitcher, everything. SoundCloud, that's... My WTF show is where you find the What the Falk show. Have a great Falcon week. I look forward to us spending some more time together soon. We met another guest. Thanks for anyone who's ever come on the show. Thanks for anyone who's ever clicked on the show. Thanks for anyone who's ever used the word Falk in a witty, informational way. Falk, yeah. We'll Falcon talk soon.